and we are live with mr chris doyle how's it going dude going good man yeah got the pbj eating, <laughs> eating on this eating a peanut butter and jelly but haven't eaten much today and pretty hungry sometimes you have those days <laughs> yeah they just happen you know and i feel like i can relate a lot to that uh how'd your day go today um busy um, I have a, a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm with my three-year-old pretty much all day, unless I have something that absolutely I have to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I get my daughter to and from school every day, and um, just busy with the kids, and also like trying to work. Um, going through a transaction right now that's a little bit stressful, and uh, just it's been a lot of like emailing back and forth and trying to schedule. Uh, contractors and uh, you know coordinate with the list agent and and my buyer and then you know the list agent has to coordinate with the seller so it's a lot of like it's a big dance right now so um yeah so a lot of lot of lot of work today on top of being with the kids most of the day too which is a job in itself yeah <laughs> especially <laughs> with my son he's he's a handful I love him to death but man he's he's got a lot of energy yeah well that's that's what kids do they have energy and they let it loose yeah um hey i don't want to start this off on like a sad note or or whatever but um i wanted to offer you and your crew and uh that whole scene my my deepest heartfelt condolences to the loss of ray um that is such a, a huge tragic loss to all of you guys and uh uh i I knew Ray. I didn't know him nearly as well as you guys did, but um, such a great dude, and uh, really gonna miss seeing him when I go to the the parks in Ohio, or you know when he'd come to the jams at Patosny's. And um, mm-hmm. seriously, like awesome, awesome guy. And I'm I'm sorry that you guys all lost him. Um, my heart goes out to you guys because uh, that was huge. I was I was really sad to hear about that. Just me and Ray always talked about our kids. Like we, you know, when we'd see each other, he's like, hey, how's your, how are your kids doing? I'm like, how are your kids doing? Cause his kids were a little bit older than my oldest daughter. And I remember when my daughter was born, he hit me up to say congrats. And I'm like, dude, how do you do this with two kids? I'm, you know, stressing with one. And he's like, yeah, man, you take it a day at a time. You just, you know, love them to death. And um, that was always where we would start our conversations and then we'd get into riding. So um, yeah, like I said, great dude. I wish I knew him better, but, um, one of those dudes you talk to for like five minutes you feel like you knew him for the last 20 years you know so um yeah like like i said to you and your viewers your crew like you know nothing but the best moving forward right now yeah i think everybody who hears that will appreciate it i mean you hit it right on the head ray treated literally everyone like a best friend like doesn't matter who you were where you were from or what if you're around didn't matter if it was even bikes like he's just gonna treat you exactly the same as everyone else yeah always with the big smile yep uh i put up the video that you posted Mm -hmm. and uh my buddy hit me up he's like i definitely remember that dude's smile that was like the only thing he said i'm like yeah like that was that was ray when i was editing that there was a clip there was a couple clips of him bailing on that chenga 2 grind to flat and he's literally got that smile on as he's falling to the ground. You can see yeah. it in the video. And it's like that right there is just like encapsulated into my mind forever. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to start this off on a weird note. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. I know, I know you guys were close, so. I appreciate that, and uh, yeah. we can we can take it the other way that we wanted to take it before getting into just the casual conversation too. I suppose just to get that out of the way. Um, how do we approach this? I guess what I want to know, more or less, because everyone knows about the the drama and the crap that went on last week in the Instagram BMX world, I guess what I more or less think would tell enough of the story is just like, tell, talk about how the S&M thing came up and even happened and what it is, for that matter. Um, so how'd the whole thing come up? Man, it was a lot of people just kind of talking amongst them, like the, the a lot of people that were affiliated with S&M just kind of talking amongst themselves. And like, I think it, it reached the boiling point when uh, at the fit video premiere, Biz was drunkenly, <laughs> drunkenly talking to Moeller and uh, Melissa Buckley mm-hmm. about, uh, or I guess Melissa Moeller. <laughs> um, he was talking to Chris and Melissa about he's like, why don't we get Doyle on SNM? And they and they were just both like, yeah, like that's the perfect fit. That'd be great. Yeah, like and um, then like kind of whispers went to Stu Johnson, who's kind of like my unofficial team manager now. But um, and everyone just kind of was like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like that makes perfect sense. We should do that. And then uh, eventually, I I talked to Melissa on the phone and. She's like, yeah, let's do this. Oh, and I made an appearance on the Hallahan's Nine Acres. Oh yeah, yeah, in which I'm teaching Lucas how to do tail whips. Yeah, I remember that one. And she thought that was awesome. She's like, she's like, I saw that. I was like, we got to get Chris on S and M. So, um, and if, if you want to rewind even beyond that, like for the last, for the last couple of years of my professional career, anytime I would see Moeller at like an event he would be like oh you're like the snmb team because every time like if my bike got lost by the airline or if my bike broke or something i would ride like brian foster's bike or i would mm-hmm. ride like clint reynolds bike i'd ride like an snm or a fit he's like oh you're like the b team and i remember i had this um snm seat post clamp on my bike and he's like doyle that's gonna be a good clamp that'll hold that that tall seat post in place and he was like always kind of busting my balls but he's sitting on my bike one time and he's like, man, this is what a BMX bike is supposed to feel like. And I took that as a huge, huge compliment. Yeah. And um, we'd always just kind of pal around at comps or jams or wherever I'd see him. And um, then when, like, this all started happening, like, everyone just was in agreement that it just made total sense. And, uh, and, yeah, so we just went for it. And everything that you saw in that video was, was 100% true. Um like I was riding in S and M homes before I got sponsored by DK, and mm. uh, that was like kind of the dream when I was fifteen was to ride for S and M. But um, of course, things went in a different direction, and uh, think, I don't think I would have had the same career if I if that dream came true right off the bat. But uh, I was I was certainly happy with how everything came to be with me in S and M. And yeah, it's um, it's not I'm not. I guess I'm on the team, yeah. but I'm not like, when I talked to Melissa, it was basically like, I, I said, I don't have time to be a pro rider. You know, I don't have time to, to film a video part. I don't have time to like have a strong social media presence. Like I'm a full-time father 
husband, real estate agent, and I ride when I have the time. So she's like, that's cool. We just want you to keep doing what you're doing BMX wise, but do it on an S&M. Yeah. And I said, awesome, done. Um, and instead of just like starting to get flow, everyone was like in agreement. like, let's have some fun with this. Let's like make a replica of that old bike that you had. Let's make a video. Let's do a bike check. Like, let's have fun. Let's blow this out. And uh, that's exactly what we did. And it got great response. Yeah. Yeah. That video was amazing. And uh, so, so that puts you like on the team. Uh, the question, are you, are you, you're not getting paid by SNM, are you? No. And that's, and I guess that can bring us into uh, the next thing, but uh, no, I haven't cashed a check to ride BMX since 2018. And I would, I would feel terrible if, if SNM was paying me because I'm not going to be doing a lot to earn that paycheck. Mm -hmm. I'm like, like I said, my priorities are fatherhood, husband, real estate agent, and then just riding when I have the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that I feel like that in itself is probably enough to clear the air from what was said on the internet and all of the people's reactions to it. Um, I guess, I mean, and, and the people should know that Ricky and I talked on the phone after, uh, after everything came out online with the, the podcast that they have or, or they had, um, he called me and we talked and, um, I have, I have no hatred towards Ricky. I have, uh, no animosity. I'm not, I wasn't even mad. There was people mm. out there that were way more mad than I was. Right. Um, don't ever get on the bad side of Mike Cottle or <laughs> that comment. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about or, or Keith Tara. Yeah. Um, cause, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Keith was joking, but like Keith hit me up. He's like, dude, you want me to take care of this? <laughs> and I'm like, no. no, he's like, no, man, just, I can take care of this. He's like, I'll call wild Matt. And, uh, <laughs> we, can, we can take care of this. And I'm like, stay down. <laughs> and then Coddle was just enraged. And, uh, I, but I wasn't that mad. I was, I was more disappointed than anything Yeah. because I've, I've met Ricky before and I've never had a bad thing to say to, I, I've never had really much of a, an opinion at all. Yeah. And when he called me, you know, he was very apologetic and he was like, you know, sometimes I, I speak before I think. My mouth will move faster than my brain. I'm so, so sorry. And I'm a grown man. I don't need an apology. I didn't need him to make an apology. I appreciated him doing that. But I stayed pretty firm uh, when I talked to him on the phone. I, I stood my ground. I was like, hey, man, yeah, you need to, to think. And if you, if you have a podcast in which people are going to be listening to you, you need to make sure you have all your facts straight. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. And that was, that was what kind of pissed me off the most. And, you know, he's, he used me as an example, as an analogy to describe how uh, owners and team managers are out of touch. Well, the owner of S&M is Chris Moeller, who, in my opinion, Moeller's like top three, top five most influential BMXers of all time. 
Yeah. And he's run a brand his way for over oh. half, for most of his life. Yeah. And S&M has never played by the rules, right? Like, S&M's never followed, like, what conventional BMX is going to do. Like, and I think that's why so many people were attracted to that brand. They're like the, the, the punk rock, anti-authority, we're not conforming to everything else. We're doing this our way. Yeah. And I think that's why people love the brand so much. And, you know, for them to bring on an older, I mean, when has the S&M team ever been like, yeah, I agree with every rider that, that rides for S&M. Like that's never going to happen. Or any team for that matter. So, um, you know, and so that's why I thought like, if I had got on a different brand, it might have, you know, been like, okay, what, what, are, what's that brand doing? What's Doyle doing? But mm -hmm. I, I thought S and M made total sense, um, and I wouldn't have ridden for a, any other brand, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have, you know, uh, stepped away from from Kink, which I, I appreciated everything that I was doing with Kink and they did for me. But like, I wouldn't have stepped away for that from that for any other brand. Right. And. Um, so that's the owner of S and M, and then the team manager, like I said before. For me, I know that Charlie Crumlish uh, is, you know, a team as well. But for me, I mean, I've worked mostly with Stu Johnson since I've been on S and M. Okay. And you can't say anything bad about about Stu Johnson. Yeah. For me, and, and this is just in my world, I I think he's put out the best content in the last twenty five years, and he still continues to do so. And, you know, he's still sleeping on couches and riding the Greyhound and, and going to the trails to like to get more footage. He's he's truly poured his life into this. And so that's I took that. So, OK, the owner and the TM, you got Moeller and Stu and he's using me as the analogy. I'm like, no, like, I don't agree with this at all. Yeah. And that's why I posted it. And I said, I think this is bullshit. And apparently a lot of people agreed. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and I, uh, I even talked to Crandall a little bit. And he's like, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of history to like try to drag through the mud. So right. um, that was my stance on it. And I, I thought I was pretty lighthearted about it. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to talk shit on him. I didn't want to make fun of him. I didn't, you know, I, just, I used that Mike Cousin Vinny clip to mm -hmm. say, like, everything that guy just said is bullshit. Yeah, and, that, and it was and perfect. And that's how I felt. And nothing I'm telling you, I didn't already tell Ricky when we were talking on the phone. Yeah. And, and, and he did say on YouTube in one of the comments about me getting paid. And I'm like, no, that's a false fact that you just put in writing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't appreciate that. And, um, and I, I have a podcast, which yeah. I neglect. And I apologize <laughs> you still have it, though. I still have it, and I've I've edited audio countless times. Mm -hmm. And when something doesn't sound right, like if I try to make a point and it doesn't sound right, I cut it out because I don't right. I don't want it to come across wrong. And, I, and in fact, I had a guest on my podcast, and I'm not going to name names, but I had a guest, and he was trying to make a point about something about how riders boost themselves up with social media and he used the name there's the name of a really badass rider one of the top dudes right now yeah he dropped this name to make his point and i'm sitting in the room with them i got his point 
but not everyone that listens to the podcast is going to understand his his point of view. So I was actually I was driving home and I'm listening to the podcast and I'm like, my guest does not sound good on yeah. this. Like he's going to come across all wrong. So I I got home, I downloaded it, I sent him a copy of the interview, and I go, hey man, I want you to listen to this and I want you to tell me if you think I should leave this in. I let him listen to it and he goes. I come across so wrong, please cut that out. So I did, yeah. and everyone loved the interview. Um, but so then I was thinking about the podcast with Ricky and, uh, is it Dustin? Is he the other kid? Um, I was like, so you had to have listened to that before. Like other eyes had to have seen that before he dropped it. Like not one person says like, guys, that doesn't sound right. Like no, no one said that. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I was like, how did that make it to the final cut? I guess. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll try to wrap it up because again, I don't, I don't want any harm to come to the guy. I don't want him to lose a job. I don't want like, you know, we can, we can stop being mean to Ricky online, but um, <laughs> yeah. you just gotta, that's my PSA. Think before you speak Yeah. and get the facts straight before you, you, drop knowledge on people and uh and and that's it like like i said i'm i wasn't really mad about it i was uh i didn't have a lot of time to really be mad at it but uh a lot of people were pretty upset yeah and i the the only reason that like we're really even bringing it up in our conversation is just the fact that there ended up it ended up blowing up to a point where there could have like been genuine real world implications to this entire thing and it all was based on misinformation being put out there so i we both kind of felt like it was important to just clear the air a little bit um and ricky already cleared the air ricky uh he called me i wasn't available i called him back he's like you got a couple minutes i was like yeah let's talk and i felt like (laughs) I felt very much like a dad yeah. talk, talking to a kid like, hey, you got to think before you speak. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> so it's like uh, full on like dad status. And, you know, and again, he was very apologetic and I didn't need, it, need an apology, but I appreciated him, you know, manning up, making the call. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, kind of he owned it. He, he owned what he said. He's like, I. You know, I can't take it back at this point, but right. he owned it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was that. Well, I feel like that pretty much and pretty well covers that entire subject in the whole. So if you've got nothing else about it, we can just move on and talk about BMX and other things. <laughs> sure thing, man, yeah. All right. So... I've got one thing that came up today at Ray's that I really, really wanted to ask you about because I was riding with Trevor today and Trevor was talking about how he's recently been feeling somewhat like nervous and scared while riding his bike. And that's part of why he got went to a, a full face helmet. And we kind of talked for a minute about like, yeah, I mean, I know what that feels like too. And I'm like, in my thinking spot where I feel like the universe connects me to the ideas. <laughs> That's the shower. And, uh, I realized like you might be a perfect person to ask about how you've like 
gotten through that if you've ever experienced that where you're like you go through and it feels like it's for no reason it's not like you had a really crazy crash it's just like randomly feeling nervous and weird or scared riding your bike um that usually happens to me after after like a I see someone else slam. Yeah. Um, after like, I felt like that for a long time after Mikey's accident. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest, because to me, there was never anyone with more bike control, Mm -hmm. never anyone that was more skilled than Mikey Aiken. And to, to, to know of him having a, huge slam like that and to have that head trauma it just made me realize like it doesn't really matter how good you are like it anything can happen to anybody and i remember like i had that in my head for a long time after his accident um probably like close to like six months like i remember feeling anytime i'd step on my bike I, i remember thinking like you know this it can happen to anybody like right anyone can take a detrimental slam at any time. So I definitely felt like that. I don't know how I overcame it. I think it was just time and uh, just being patient with myself. And like, if I did feel too nervous, I just wouldn't ride. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, just letting time kind of heal that, that wound, I guess. Um, and then realizing like it wasn't <laughs> then when I had my situation in 2018 with my heart, I was like, whoa, I, this whole time I thought it was going to be something on my bike when it really wasn't like yeah. I could have been jogging in the forest and I could have just completely died. Like, so you just never know, like you could walk across the street and get hit by a car and be totally jacked up. Like it's, um, I realized that it was being nervous and being scared wasn't really a good way to be living mm-hmm. and if you live like that you almost like will things to happen sometimes so i don't want to say i've blocked it out but i think i've just gotten better at like kind of coping with there's dangers in every aspect of life and and uh yeah to ride nervous is is really crappy so yeah i i just try to enjoy what i'm doing focus on like the fun aspect of it uh, be cognizant of what's happening around me and and yeah just uh kind of let it rip i don't know if that's a good answer or not but i think i mean that's your experience so it's that's as good of an answer as you could really give and to relate a little bit to that i felt anxious with just like not myself riding but watching other people ride ever since my buddy the guy who owns the trails out here he got knocked out at the skate park and and it was just like, oh my God. Cause I'd never seen like someone really, really get knocked out like that before where he's like laying on the ground snoring and like, you know, arms are stiffened up, like bad knockout. And ever since then, I just randomly will get nervous. It's more, not as much with people who are like, you know, been riding for a long time anymore. At first it was, but now man, when I'm at Rays watching little kids ride in the, Subaru room it like freaks me out every time almost and I think it the only way to get over it is to just watch and just force yourself to like tune in like they're fine they're doing fine yeah yeah 
it, it's best not to force yourself into anything as well. Like, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Don't force yourself to, like, do something stupid. You know, don't. Right. Uh, just because you have your camera set up and you're trying to get those Instagram clips, don't. Don't yeah. ever bleed for Instagram. <laughs> God. Yeah. Try not to bleed for anything. Try to prevent those. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, that's. I feel like that's a pretty good insight onto it just from someone who you know has done everything you've done and when you've ridden for long enough i feel like no matter what you're going to go through periods where you you feel a certain way Mm -hmm. it just happens i think there's been times when when i've ridden all day like rode gnarly trails or something and took chances and you know did gnarly things and then that night i'm like walking off a curb and I'll roll my ankle mm-hmm. like it's you know the universe is going to get you one way or another <laughs> yeah and since we talked about the universe I meant to tell you about this before we went live but I had two of those moments that we talked about on the phone today mm. first one so I'm listening to a podcast on my way to raise and uh, they randomly start talking about skunks and within the first 30 seconds of this conversation the dude goes skunks are effective he said that as i'm driving by a dead skunk on the road i was like that's a little weird (laughs) so on my way home same podcast same people uh randomly they said something about panera bread and and it was only one time that it came up and he only said it one time the skunk thing they talked for like five minutes so whatever i could have were driven by a skunk in that period of time. But the Panera Bread thing, I was literally driving through the intersection where I would turn to go into Panera Bread in my town when he like, said that word. It's like the Truman Show or something. I have it, uh, he's like adjusting the radio and it's like all the like advertisements for everything he's seeing. It's like, yeah, yeah, dude, it was weird. And after we talked about that, I'm like, man, I got to tell him about that because it just keeps happening. Yeah, no, it happens all the time. I'll be thinking about a song, and it'll come on the radio. I'm like, what? <laughs> or I have like, you know, thousands of songs on my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I'll just be randomly thinking of a song, and it'll pop up. I'm like, whoa, like yep. telepathy. So yeah, the person you're thinking about texts or calls you. Yeah, yeah. That one, that's a weird one for me, and happens way too much. Maybe not too much. Uh, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. I never have, I literally, dude, I literally have like all these bullet points for things that I just never usually have. Uh, have I ever asked you before about uh, the session that you had with Brian? Is it Yeagle or Yeagle? Yeagle. With Brian Yeagle at Evolution Skate Park in Ohio? I don't know, maybe. Do you remember this session? Yeah, I, I do because I've only been there once. Do you remember me or Sponge from that session? No, I I'm I don't. <laughs> what? No, it just Sponge and I were at Evo. That's what we called it, and uh, <clears throat> we're just sitting on the deck of the flow room in there, the one with the camel hump boxes that, that Brian Yeager was going to the ceiling in. I'm sure you remember that. That skinny pillar. Yeah. He's going all the way. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I I've told people about that before. And I mean, that's total Yeagle style, but when people aren't used to seeing Brian ride, they're like blown away. Like, yeah, that mm. thing, I, I, it was it a foot. Yeah. It was probably a yeah, foot. This wide. And he rides straight up at 
to the ceiling and then back down it. Yep. Um, Multiple times too. Yeah. Um, I saw a Yeagle. The first time I actually saw him in person was in, um, we, we went to his trails in the year 2000, 22 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, and, uh, right? <laughs> uh, me and Craig Reynolds. And because uh, Steve Buddendike needed to shoot a photo of Craig Reynolds for because like, uh, Snap used to do the pullout um, mm-hmm. posters. So Craig Reynolds was on Mongoose and they needed to shoot a Mongoose picture for this pullout. And so I just kind of tagged along because uh, we were at uh, Gravity Games, which was happening in Rhode Island. So it was like, you know, two hour drive or something like that. So we go to Suffield and there's Brian Yeagle and he's got the like, bowl cut and he looks like a normal kid. And I, I knew who Yeagle was just from growing up on the East Coast. Like, there was always, like, echoes. And, mm-hmm. like, you'd hear things that he'd done. You'd hear things about him. But you never saw footage. You never saw photos. And, like, oh, my God, there he is. It's like, seeing yeah. a ghost. And he's at his home trails. And he was riding this line. And the line ended with a tree ride with a, with a, a, dirt, <laughs> a dirt quarter going straight up a tree. And he hit like a 25 foot set and then go straight up a tree <laughs> and straight back down. I kid you not. And me and Craig Reynolds looked at each other like, did we just see the same thing? It's like, it, it was so bizarre. Like, cause he didn't just go like a couple feet up the tree. He went like 15 feet up the tree oh and straight gosh. back down. Like, I kid you not. It's like, <laughs> um, but that was like, I was like, well, now I have my, like, Yeago myth story because, Mm -hmm. like, you'd always hear things like that, but you never saw it. Yeah. And, like, I was like, oh, my God, I saw it. Like, I actually witnessed it. There's no cameras. Right. Like, uh, even, um, I think, later on, like, uh, Bud Index shot some stuff of me. Craig Reynolds didn't ride because the place is crazy. And then I think he asked uh, Yeagle, like, hey, do you want to shoot a few things? And Yeagle's like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> it's like no we need to like prove the myth like we saw yeah, <laughs> right but uh but yeah yeah um but i i do remember a little bit about riding evolution uh because i'd only been there that one time and it's it's hard when you go to a spot with yeagle because yeagle adapts very fast it's yeah just like you get mad because you're not adapting that fast and and i wasn't as good at riding the bull as he was in the first five minutes so yep um, stuff like that was always tough. That was something I was going to bring up in this whole thing is because we were in the, the flow room. It was sponge and I were sitting next to each other and, uh, he just all of a sudden out of nowhere goes, is that Chris Doyle? And, and my response was who? <laughs> I had, this was at a point in time, like we had just started filming videos together. So at that point we had probably had one video that made it onto the come up and like we were stoked i didn't even know who adam 22 is when he posted our video on the come up so like for some context there but so i'm just like who and then you guys end up in there riding with us and what i was gonna say was that how brian just immediately took to the room was blasting everything to the ceiling those little camel hump things had like uh they were volcanoed out on the sides of him and all i can remember is him like skidding his back tire as he's going over that and then still airing the quarter or the vert wall to the ceiling um it, the best way 
to describe Yeagle in his riding is, and there's a couple guys like this, probably like Yeagle, uh, Derek Gerard, uh, maybe even like Randy Nickerson and a couple of those New England guys. It's full improv. Like it's full like, yeah. improvisational, like, okay, I'm just going to go in this direction as fast as I can and I'll hit whatever gets in my way and I'll figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. Like I'd written, uh, Yeagle and I used to go to the Imperial skate park in Pittsburgh and we'd meet there at like 10 o'clock in the morning and it would just be him and I, no cameras. Mm-hmm. And Yeagle would be blasting the 10 foot quarter, like nine feet out for no reason. And he'd be like coming up with these lines and, um, like doing things there that still have not been done, but just like, just because he's like, yeah. oh, I, when I, when I ride, I, I want to ride, I want to feel it. And it was, it was always so refreshing, like probably one of the best guys you could possibly ride with. Cause you just never knew what was going to come next. And I think a lot of times he didn't even know it was going to come next. Yeah. Um, so it was always really interesting and it was never for show. It was never, um, that's why I give I give Stu Johnson a lot of credit for being able to capture Yeagle in Anthem too. Yeah. Because he's not an easy guy to film with. Like Yeagle would like get his bike out at the skate park and just go start ripping and like Stu's fumbling to get yeah, his Yeah, I've heard these like, oh, stories, God. yeah. And so by the time Stu would get in there, Yeagle would he'd be like, Okay, Brian, let's film that and Yeagle's like, Film what? <laughs> that, that thing you just did and he's like, uh, I just I, okay and he would like once Yeagle tried to think about it, it would get so much worse. Yeah. Like, if you had to plan it out, he's like, I, I can't, like, he couldn't, like, plan it out. It was really strange. And then, like, he might get something first try, but maybe Stu didn't like his angle or something. And then after the first try, it would just get progressively worse until Yeagle's, like, bailing out at 10 feet. Oh, my gosh. Getting destroyed. So definitely one of the most interesting people you could ever ride with. And, you know, people would always talk about like let's get him to a vans bowl contest let's get him to this i'm like i don't think he's gonna thrive well yeah because he it's, has to plan out a run yeah it's like constrained he can't just go whenever he wants to and just do whatever happens there's there's a story another like yeagle urban myth story in which he went to the east coast terminal for a contest and didn't ride and everyone's like why is it yeagle riding we hear all this stuff and then um the contest completely wraps and Yeagle's riding during the awards ceremony and they're handing out awards and Yeagle's blasting through the crowd, like hitting these <laughs> different transfers and everyone's like jumping out of the way. And then like my friends came home from being at that concert, like, yeah, Yeagle rode, but it was like the very last, like 10 minutes of the weekend. <laughs> it's like, that's so um, cool. Yeah. Just like a refreshing take on, on BMX, like just full improv, just n- nothing planned so rad and i mean thinking back on i feel like that makes total sense and what was so crazy about that was like you walk in and i feel like there's no way i would have made this connection without sponge like maybe talking about who you were or something before you guys ended up in there but i can remember like him instantly going to the ceiling and going crazy and then you uh maybe not as quickly you know, <laughs> figuring that room out. And like, there was a point in time where you asked me if you could take my line that I was hitting in that room. And I thought that was awesome. But then there was a certain level of humanizing that happened there where I was like, Oh, these guys who are like at the top in BMX, they are human. Like they aren't just, they don't just show up here 
and just tear the place to shreds because yeah uh, yeah i'm not i need time i need time to figure things out normal people um, do uh, and yeah normal people <laughs> like but a guy like yagel a guy like chase hawk jeff slattery like those dudes it was they're tough to travel with because they're just they can just figure things out so fast yeah um uh, when the first time I was on a trip with Chase was uh, Road Fools 14, and we're riding the Little Devil Bowl, and I came in like uh, I was doing, I was maybe changing a tire or something, and I come in like 10 minutes after everybody, and Chase is just like all over the bowl, and I said to, um, I forget who I asked, I'm like, oh, has Chase been here before? And like, no, dude, he just dropped in and just knew every line. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. And he was young. Like, he, he hadn't quite become Chase Hawk yet. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that kid's he's special. And then, like, that whole trip, like, everything was transition. He just seemed to know. Like, he, you could just look at something and, like, he knew how to air it. He knew how to carve it. Um, so, yeah, like, there are those dudes that do show up at your park and can just rip. I'm not one of those guys. I want to figure things out. I'll talk to the locals. Yeah. Uh, there's one instance in uh, Sacramento in which... Uh, we, we were doing this jam, and jams are always the worst because you're at someone else's park, and mm. they know all the lines. You don't know the lines, but they expect you yeah. to rip it. And uh, I was just kind of watching the locals ride, and this local did this really cool line, like into the bowl, out of the side of the spine, and into a, another quarter. And I remember saying to uh, to Jay, I was like, hey, can we come back here tomorrow? I think I want to film that. <laughs> <laughs> so That's came funny. back the next day and totally like bit this guy's line and he shows up as I'm doing it. And he's like, Oh, real cool, man. <laughs> oh no. Instant so, karma. It was yeah, a lesson in humility for sure. Yeah. And then uh, I actually shot a photo on that setup that ended up on the back cover ride. <laughs> so yeah. paid off, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to bring that up because sponge always brings up whenever this comes up, how you did a giant 540 in the bowl out of the deep end i i didn't see it but apparently he saw it happen from across the park where we were at that doesn't sound like me i have no idea but unless it was like a hurricane but i i'm not airing out of uh, 540 yeah i don't know but the other thing that i remember from that is you doing a five tap to ice on the seven foot quarter in that room and I had already been into five taps at that point, so I'm sure when you did it first try, I was just like, "Oh my god!" Uh, believe it or not, that used to be like one of my go-to's. Like awesome. mid-contest run, I could be like, "Oh, I need something on the sub." <laughs> just like, uh, I can't believe I ever had that trick that dialed. Um, but it's funny how uh, I haven't done it in a while, but like it can come back pretty quick. Like I have mm-hmm. to maybe take five, ten minutes. But once I got it, I can just kind of lock back into it. I yeah, well, I mean, I we did it at race on yeah. the spine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a good one. And I honestly, I feel like five tap to ice is easier than a five tap sometimes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that I never asked you about that until now because it's just like one of those moments of like, I don't know who this guy is and I really don't know who the guy that he's with is. But they both just killed the place, and I was probably 17 at the time. <laughs> I used to travel with Gary Young a lot, um, and I'd always tell him stories about my friend Yagel from back home. 
And finally, uh, Gary comes to Pittsburgh and Yeagle shows up at the park and Gary's like, oh, that's him? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's him right there. And he goes, hmm, I thought he'd be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. That was his first reaction. I thought he'd be bigger. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that that's like you could tell where someone's headspace is at whenever they make a comment like that. Like that's yeah. what he's thinking about when he sees this guy or he's, you talk about like the legend he is. Yeah. yeah. Where is Yeagel at, by the way? Uh, Yeagel is a nurse here in Pittsburgh, and he is married. He just had a daughter who's probably one by now. Um, doesn't ride. Doesn't uh, He doesn't ride BMX, but he rides uh, mountain bikes occasionally. And he rides with a good friend of mine who will like send me photos of him ripping on a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, look what Yeagel is doing. And it's Yeagel up a tree. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah that to- but he's on a mountain bike. I'm like, yeah, it totally makes sense. But, um, yeah, he just lives a, a pretty quiet life, um, doesn't do much on social media. Um, and, yeah, just chill. Dude, I, I actually I was going to relaunch my podcast, and I wanted him to have the first interview. Oh, yeah. um, and he was totally on board with it. We had it all set up, and then, like, something happened with my schedule, something happened with his schedule. And I really want his uh, – one of his best friends is Randy Nickerson. I really want Randy Nickerson involved. Because Randy will really keep the conversation going, and mm. um, I really want it. I still do want it to happen. It's just the time has to be right. Yeah, it will. It definitely yeah. will. And to have that be the first one back will just mm. will be sweet. Um, uh, my buddy, uh, you know Murphy. Oh yeah. Um, Murphy broke his ankle over the summer. Yep. And I'm like, I go, hey Murphy, is there anything I can do to help you out? And he goes do the Yeagle podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can just, I can see him pausing before answering that and then saying exactly the way you did. That's, a, that's too funny. Well, that was in text form, but it was just, uh, he's like, do the Yeagle podcast. <laughs> that's great. Uh, I forgot to shout out, hopefully he's still in here. Kurt Schmidt was in here for a minute. What? Yeah. Okay. Pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. Heavy name. So he's got a podcast. He he brought up how uh, Craig Reynolds has a good podcast. Apparently now, uh, there's some man. There's some good ones out there, and uh, I haven't gotten a chance to check out Craig's, but um, I would love to hear it. Like uh, I, I, again, time. I just need time to like, mm-hmm. be able to do these things. When I get my my daughter has a playlist uh, that we have made on Spotify, and anytime we get in the car, I want to listen to my playlist. I'm like, oh. are you are you sure you don't want to listen to this BMX podcast? <laughs> So, you don't want to hear about this this guy that dad knew 25 years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Oh, he is still in here. He said, hey, yo, boys. That's great. Um, so my, my next thing on my list here is I want to know, and maybe you've talked about this, maybe you haven't, but because everybody knows you for, you know, tables and turndowns, talk about those, but have you ever talked about like the experience of actually learning those tricks and if how easy or how hard it was? Uh, good question. Um, I feel like turndowns took me forever yeah. to learn. Uh, probably from like the time I was 14 until like 16. Me too. Like, it took me a long time to like get it down to where like I feel like it's, I could, 
you know, do it with confidence every time. Mm-hmm. I grew up idolizing and riding with this guy. His name is Corey Muth. Yeah. And Corey Muth rode for DK Bicycles back in his, uh, you know, 16 to 18 expert class, and then uh, actually started riding for Reynolds Racing. Rode for Craig Reynolds. Um, so one of the best, and I, I say this with all sincerity one of the best styles on a BMX bike ever. And I hope that there's people in your comments that like know of Corey Muth, but literally one of the best styles ever on a BMX mm-hmm. bike. And he has, that's where I learned how to do turndowns is watching him. Cause I, he, we rode together all the time. We're like, uh, he's like local hero. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the local that was like in magazines. He was on props. Um, but he had the best, he probably still does have the best turndown. And that's, I learned everything I knew about turndowns from watching him. And he was the one that told me, he's like, oh, you're just, you're trying to snap it off the lip. You need to wait till you get to your peak and then go into it. And like, he like gave me those tips that really, you know, made it all work out. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So yeah, definitely hats off to Corey Muth. He's got this clip in an old props. He was like 16 expert racer and uh, full factory DK. And it's from South Park, which is like the best track in the world. And he's leading the 16X like by, uh, you know, four or five bike lengths. He comes out of the second berm and he jumps this big tabletop and he cases it just a little bit, just like a little tag, blows his feet off his pedals and he can't hit the pro jump. So he has to roll it. And then this guy jumps right over top of him and it's Joey Garcia. So Joey Garcia, who's factory Schwinn, jumps right over my buddy Corey and just takes the victory. Oh my and, uh, gosh. So I, I still tease uh, Muth about that, but yeah, um, that dude can, can, ride, can ride a bike. So it, it took you some years to learn turndowns. That's... I, it, it did not come easy. Actually, like nothing, like inverts and tables didn't come easy either, but, and I've heard other people say this, like when <sighs> I was challenged by BMX, like it didn't mm-hmm. come naturally to me. It was something I had to work for, and that's why I loved it so much. Like there were other sports that I was into that did come naturally to me, um, but like now here's this thing. It's it's very it's all about you being an individual. It's you and your bike. That's it. Um, I was so attracted to it because it wasn't easy. I've heard uh, Kaczynski say things like he's like yeah like football, hockey, they came easy to me, but like BMX was tough, and it still mm. is. So, you know, I had to work hard to get good at the things I was good at. Yeah. Um, I learned how to do inverts and then I lost it and I had to like relearn them. And um, it was a, like this weird, like two year hiatus of doing inverts. And I was like, oh, I'm going to relearn how to do it. I got bigger bars and it made it like so much easier to snap into it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't easy. And then I. I feel like the guys that um, that BMX did come easy too, like almost didn't appreciate what they had because, like, yeah, this came. You don't appreciate it when it comes easy. Oh, so. I feel like those are the people who end up falling out of it. That you you hear they fell out, and you're like, how did this person stop riding? I don't yeah. understand. And then you're like, well, you think about it. And you're like, I guess it came really, really easy to them, so maybe it isn't the same. Um. Yeah, I always thought that way about Todd Wachowiak. He, he's, I think he's like just gifted all around, mm. like just academically, um, 
athletically every like he can just figure things out like if you want to figure out a trick he's gonna figure it out like an hour before you'll even like be able to get off the ground it's it's really amazing the way that like guys like him and even guys like chris bennett could just figure things out so fast and i was always a little bit jealous but then again i probably wouldn't have appreciated as much yeah i i I get it man sometimes i still feel like weird when i leave the skate park and i'm like man i didn't or even the trails i did not fall or stumble or anything one time today but as i was growing up riding it was i mean i can remember one guy local to me making a comment like man you fall a lot yeah (laughs) like that it's just what it was it was it was a challenge and it wasn't easy to learn things and i was full throttle all the time so i'm falling all the time same same i was hurt a lot as a kid yeah some people i don't know i I, i'm happy with the way things went though (laughs) uh so with that being said talking about turndowns and tabletops uh do you have any thoughts or have you ever pondered the like fact that like or subject in bmx of how there are people and a lot of people who are like that guy like people look at you you're the turn down guy <laughs> and and i think that some people especially the some of the people who like live this gage sharp you know gage from cleveland he's a hang five nose manual guy i feel like he hasn't quite yet realized that like in bmx that sometimes is just a thing like People just want to see you do a nose manual and a hang five horse. People just want to see you do a turn down. Have, have you ever thought about like the turn down guy aspect of things? Um, I've thought about it. I don't think it's, I don't consider myself the turn down guy. I think that all kind of stemmed from like Scotty Kramer's, youtube channel in which like him and a couple of his buddies kind of pin that on me which Mm -hmm. is fine i'll take it Uh, i don't think i have the best turndown in in bmx by any stretch of the imagination uh i think i just do that trick a lot i enjoy it and i'm happy that if a kid comes up to me at a skate park he'll nine times out of ten be like hey can i can i see a turndown (laughs) like i'm like yes i can do that for you because it's i i love that trick i enjoy it like, I would feel terrible if someone's like, hey, can I see your 720 tail lip? Like, <laughs> like, or just the 720 in general. Like, if someone's like, hey, I want to see a Chris Doyle 720, I'd be like, uh, I can send you a clip. Yeah, here's a link. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if, if people want to see the turndown or the invert or the 360 versions, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to give that to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have felt like a long time. I, I kind of realized at a certain point, you know, I was the ice pick guy. When it Like, that's just how people know who I am. Do way more than that, but that's just the way it is. But I, I realized at a certain level, like, that to an extent is, like, what a professional BMX rider is in certain people's eyes is, like, they're just traveling, figuring out, learning other tricks. But, like, they go to a spot or a jam, and that's what people want to see. That's why yeah. – that's part of why they end up where they're at. I'm, I'm thankful to have something like that. I honestly, I'm very humbled by it. I, again, I don't think I have the best turn down. I just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered that, that people think that way about me. And I think it was, um, 
I think it was Andrew Reynolds, the skateboarder, who said like he's like, yeah, like if you're an X Man, or an X if one you're one of the X Men, you don't get all the powers. Yeah, you get like one power, and that's your power. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, me and uh, Dakota Roche have talked about that before, like because he always talks about like all I ever do is wall rides, and yeah, like that's your superpower. Yep. <laughs> you know, like you don't get them all. Yep, and and I think that. There's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's almost the kind of thing that if, like, somebody hears someone like you talking about that, it's like, I've said for a long time, just find what you do best and do it better than anybody else because that that can take you places. I think it's it's amazing. I get, I get tagged in videos from, like, all over the world. You know, like, Chris Doyle, thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm like, yeah, I give everyone the thumbs up. I'm like, yeah, yeah. killing it. I've done that with you and no foot cans before <laughs> like at the trails. That's literally my thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a Chris Doyle, no foot can right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> that, that's, I don't know. I, I was just curious your thoughts on that because it's definitely a theme. That was the word I was looking for. It's a theme in BMX where certain people have their trick, you know, Brett Silva with a cannonball. That, oh, do his toboggans. Yeah. T-bogs and yeah. cannonballs for Brett Silva. Yeah. He's sick. Uh, my my buddy from back home rides mountain bikes, and you know, I, actually, my, my old roommate when I lived in in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, he rides mountain bikes, and he's got his mountain bike crew, and like, he's like, he, he was riding trails with his buddies one day, and a, a guy hits a jump and does like a little cross up because he can't really do a turn down on a mountain on a mountain bike, mm-hmm. but um, does like a little little turn bar wiggle thing and his buddy goes oh i thought that was chris doyle and my, <laughs> my buddy's like what he's like how do you guys know and they and uh he asked he's like how do you guys know like chris doyle and they're like oh he's the bmx turn my buddy my buddy who never rode bmx is like oh yeah i used to live with him he was my roommate <laughs> that's <laughs> and, uh, funny he just yeah he kind of tripped out on that for a second yeah that's too good that's too funny there um I had a request here. Can you give me a Section 8 story? Oh, man. Is there is there one? I'm sure there's lots. Um, I, don't, I can't think of, like, a good, uh, like, a entertaining one as much. There was, I kind of started riding there more regularly, like, after all the shenanigans had mm. taken place. Not me and some buddies rented a van and uh, drove up for the premiere. So we drove from Raleigh to, we actually drove to Pittsburgh first, stayed in Pittsburgh, and then the next day we went to the jam at Section 8. And it was there I met Catfish for the first time, I met Lou Bickle, I met uh, Nate Wessel, um, uh, I met a variety of of different characters, all from, from Section 8. And everyone went out that night, of course. And we had Colin Winkleman with us. Winkleman came up in the van. And we all go out. And none of us really drank. But Colin Winkleman drank a lot. (laughs) So we go out after the premiere. And we all had a good time. And Winkleman gets obliterated. And we don't have a place to stay in Youngstown. And Catfish is like, dude, stay at my place. And we're like, oh, thank God. So we go back to Catfish's place in like downtown Youngstown, which is a grimy place. <laughs> and, uh, 
and we, we get in and Winkleman immediately passes out snoring. He's gone. He's done. He's super intoxicated. So we're all like trying to figure out where we're going to sleep in Catfish's apartment. And Catfish is like, Hey, I'm going to go get some food. There's like a little soul food place <laughs> down the street. If you guys want something, let me know. So I gave, I gave uh, Catfish, you know, 10 bucks. I'm like, yeah, grab, grab me something. Cause I'm starving. And he's like, yeah, I'll get you some like fried chicken or something. I'm like, yeah, sweet. So um, Catfish leaves, and then it's like almost as the door shuts behind Catfish, Winkleman pops up, and he's like, "We're going back to Pittsburgh," and we're all like little starstruck kids that are like, "Okay, Colin Winkleman, whatever you want," because <laughs> he, he's like spoke with conviction. He's like, "We're fucking going back to Pittsburgh," and so we load up the van, and we dr- it's like three o'clock in the morning. We drive back to Pittsburgh, and. Winkleman, as soon as he gets in the van, of course, passes out again, and we're stuck driving back to Pittsburgh. Um, we stay at Wachoviac's place. The next day we get up and we go. We're driving home back to North Carolina, and we're leaving Pittsburgh, and we're on the uh, the Liberty Bridge, and Winkleman's like, dude, you got to pull over right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to puke. I'm like, dude, we're on a bridge about to go through a tunnel. I can't pull over right now. And he's like, Doyle, you got to pull over right now. And I, I can't do it. I can't, I, I can't do it. <laughs> so we get into the tunnel and he's like, here it comes. We're in a tunnel, right? I can't pull over. Yeah. And he puts down the window and he, the, the four foot tunnel is a little less than a mile long. And he just starts just puking all out the side of the van. And he's purposely sticking his head out far enough. So he doesn't get puke all over the side of the van. And, uh, but he's just puking all over the car behind us. Like, I look behind us, and the car has its windshield wipers on, and it's like, um, you know, using its uh, windshield wiper fluid. And I'm just like, that is so disgusting. He puked for the entire tunnel. <laughs> and it pretty much missed the entire van and just got right on the car behind us. And the I was like, these people are going to fight us for puking with <laughs> their car. And, uh, someone had put a legalized murder sticker on the back of our van, so I don't think they wanted to mess with us. So, like, these guys have a sticker that says legalized murder, uh, which is an old push sticker. Um, but nevertheless, that's, like, I know that's not, like, a Section 8 story, but that was, like, one of the first times that I really visited there. And it, uh, it, it that was, like, Colin Winkleman, <laughs> like, my one of my favorite Colin Winkleman stories, just, like, the amount of puke that came out of this <laughs> van in, in the four-pit tunnel. All over okay. somebody's car. Imagine. So this is like what four or five in the morning at this point, or is it the next day? Or it's the next day. Okay. Oh my it, it's God. it's like ten o'clock in the morning, and I or maybe not that early. It might have been later because I remember this was the day in which they were demolishing um, Forbes Field, like the the old baseball stadium. Mm. So there was a lot of traffic, and uh, yeah, he puked all over. In front of someone's car oh my goodness that i think that story is probably good enough well and to this day if i see catfish he's like dude i still owe you that meal i still owe you that soul food meal man so did you guys leave with before he even got back before he got back oh my god he's and this is probably before cell phones so like he's walking uh, back like what is even happening they're gone he probably came into his apartment he's like he's got probably a bag full of food he's like where's everybody <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> That's crazy. And they would have had to wait to find out what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that is that's a good story. Uh, with stories coming up, I saw a comment on Instagram this last week, and I don't listen. I'm not as educated in BMX as I should be, so you can uh, forgive me if you've already talked about this. But I saw a comment about rooftop hating you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about, if this can be talked about publicly, but I just about, wanted about what now? Uh, the period of time where Rooftop hated you that you said ended up making you guys better friends in the end. Uh, where I hated Rooftop. Oh, okay, maybe it was that. Yeah, I hated him for a couple days. Hated oh. him. Um, <laughs> you don't I mean, have to tell the story or anything. I just wanted to bring it up because I saw that comment and I was like, ooh, I'm going to save that in my brain. It's super embarrassing oh, well. for me. Oh, well. I, I'm the jackass in the story because I shouldn't have believed it. Um, where <laughs> I didn't have Rooftop's number in my phone at mm-hmm. the time, but we were out in Portland and I was doing some commentary for the Dude Tour and I get this text on my phone uh, and it's like, hey, I just want to let you know your commentary was great today. Um, really appreciated everything that you brought to the table. I was like, oh, thanks, man. I, I texted back and forth with this number that I didn't have. And uh, and I was like, well, who is this? And this person on the other end of the line, who I later find out is Rooftop, says like, oh, it's, um, who did he say it was? Oh, I forget the name that he used. But he said it was someone from Haro. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm putting together this new program for Haro. It's like you know, for guys like yourself. And we really want to like uh, represent like some of the older guys that can represent the older generation for Haro. And he like, starts talking. We talked for like a couple hours and just going back and forth. And then he's like, oh, you know, we'd be willing to offer you like a good you know, lump sum of money, you know, 50,000 starting a year. And I'm just like, like, whoa. And I'm just eating it up. I'm like totally buying into all of it. And, uh, I'd actually even called kink. I was like, Hey, should I, is this a deal I should be like considering? And like, well, what are they talking about? And I like kept texting him back and he hit me back. Like, Oh, here's, here's what we, here's the parameters of the deal. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh? I was like, maybe I should do this. And I really thought, like, Haro was making me an offer. But it turns out it was Rooftop. <laughs> and I I was, so, I was so embarrassed that I even thought for a second it was real. Because I'm, I'm so gullible. Mm-hmm. I am a fucking idiot. <laughs> and just the way that it made me feel, I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. And uh, I, like, literally hated him for a couple days. And then, like, we slowly, because I like Rooftop. Like, yeah. Uh, he's a good dude, but, like, he just got me so good. He just, he bested me, you know? Yeah. And I, I should have known better. And, um, yeah, that was what that story was about. That's what that, that Instagram is, comment was about. That's pretty good. I, yeah. have, I have one kind of like that, but uh, not to that degree, because I was probably a 16 year old kid at this time you know i'm doing back rail foofs i'm trying to go big i'm stoked on bikes and this local dude to me texts me and asks and he's like talking about 
asking me if I want to go with him to this, like, event thing. I don't know what how he described it. A thing in some other state. And, like, I'm a 16-year-old kid at this point, so I know I can't just, like, go. I have to talk to my parents and figure stuff out. And And the way he puts it to me is, like, there's this energy drink company, and all you have to do to get sponsored by them is go with me to this meeting event thing. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to need more details. I got to talk to my parents about this. We got like, I can't just agree to go to another state with you for something like this. So we set up a meeting and he comes over to our house and we're in the living room. My parents, him and me, and he pulls out his Amway. (laughs) Like, uh, you ever hear of Amway? No. It's a pyramid scheme thing where you're selling oh, products. Yeah, yeah. He pulls yeah. out his Amway stuff and gives my parents the Amway speech. Oh that my God. started as me supposed to be getting an energy drink sponsor for riding. Wow. <laughs> and, like, I, there's no chance he's ever going to hear this, but like, this is a dude... Like, he's doing back rail foofs, doing the giant gap at the skate park. Really amazing tech rider. And so I'm like, I'm going to believe what he's saying because he's like, he's, he's that guy. And, and this is what comes of it. And like, oh, it was not quite on the same level because there's not like uh, money involved with it. But your thing reminded me of that. Yeah, man, it's. I'm just too gullible, honestly. Me like too. If you, if you speak with conviction, if you like sound, uh, if you can even spell correctly and text correctly, like I'm like, oh, that's, this sounds real. I'm um, do this. <laughs> I like to think that I've gotten better at like weeding through the BS. Yeah, dude, I just, I sometimes I wish that my brain could be like that, like where Rooftop's brain was at in that situation where he's like, oh my gosh, like this is Chris Doyle and he doesn't have my phone number. And this is going like, I wish I could make funny things like that happen. Sometimes he was also with a group of other like legendary professionals, guys like Jason ends who are all like, he's like, what, what do I say next? What do I say mm-hmm. next? And I was like, say this, say, like, so he had help. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was just a jackass for buying it. Hey, don't feel bad. I had one of the dudes who was coming to our trails locally, literally, convinced me that he had the best temporary tattoo that has ever existed because it just wasn't going away after weeks and weeks of him coming to the trails to the point where finally he's like dude it's a real tattoo come on i'm like i believe why would i think you're gonna lie to me yeah yeah we're just trusting souls yeah well faith in people you know i got a lot of faith in people oh uh you mentioned Portland. I'm really good at these segues. I'm, I've got a tentative one of these scheduled for Tuesday with Shad Johnson. He nice. was in Portland, and I thought because I don't know anything about BMX like I should, you might be a great person to see if there's anything that I should, uh, any fun things I should ask him about. Are you gonna ask Shad about? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I I don't know Shad that well. If, oh. I'm, if I'm being 100%, I, I, I know he lives in Portland. Um, you could ask him if he sees my best friend, Ryan Barrett, Ooh, okay. very often. Um, but no, honestly, I don't, I don't know what to tell you there. I don't know Shad that well. 
that that's um, totally i like fair. shad like, and anytime i've been around shad i'm like this guy's awesome but like we don't know each other that well that is okay that's enough for me and um <clears throat> I also just wanted to bring that up for anybody who watches this to leave a comment about that too. If there's anything, it's like, I'd like to know more about goods. Is goods still up and running? Yeah. That's something um, we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Part of what's, why, what's, what's Chester blacksmith up to nowadays? Ooh. Um, Perfect. Well, I got uh, both of those and some notes here. Uh, that's part of like why I love doing these types of things is because growing up, I, I literally didn't watch videos. I've seen probably five full length videos ever. Oh, wow. Never really. The only props I've seen are like stuff that's been online <laughs> and and only a few things from it because I was writing and making my own videos. So it's like things like this and conversations like what we're having and what I'll have with Shad are how I learn about BMX and I just love that well do you know who Billy Dexter is no well yeah um, <laughs> enlighten me really good rider from North Carolina and he was kind of the same way like he was super super talented and I just assumed that if you were into BMX, you were as much of a BMX nerd that I was because like, I watched every video. Mm -hmm. I read every magazine and it was always funny being around Billy Dexter because I'd be like, hey, have you ever heard of Chris Bennett? And he's like, who's Chris Bennett? I'm like, he doesn't know who Chris <laughs> Bennett is. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, he's from like around the, the same area that I'm from. And uh, I would always uh, kind of tease him about how little he knew about BMX while being like an incredible bike rider. Mm hmm. I don't know, man. There's just something. I don't know the word for it. There's just something about people who are so entrenched in their own little world of just loving riding and they don't care about anything to do with BMX or the industry of it. All they care about is riding. There's something about that that I just, I love when you hear about those people. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just one of those things. It's like a special thing that doesn't, because of the internet, they just don't really exist as much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, I was going to ask you this a really long time ago, and you talked a little bit about, with the whole S&M thing, but like, what's your experience of BMX like right now? What's BMX for you right now? I'm a weekend warrior. Um, I'm a dude with a job and a family and, uh, I do it when I can. And, uh, I, I try to ride enough at least just to maintain a skill level that I can be proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not looking to change the world. I'm not, uh, I'm just trying to enjoy it. And I had, and, you know, go to a few jams here and there. And, uh, like I went to the, to Posh and Caddy a few weeks ago and I was like, wow, that was like a dream just riding trails with all those dudes and, uh, you know, doing trains with Clint Reynolds and Brian Foster and Aloise. And, uh, it really, uh, stuff like that is what really gets me excited now. And, and yeah, just like I said, I'm a weekend warrior. I'm happy when I get to ride. Um, and that's it. Nice. Sounds like you're happy about that though. I, dude, 
I, there was nothing left for me as far as being a pro. Yeah. Like if, if you had, if I had made a list of like everything I wanted to accomplish when I was 16 years old, when I just turned pro, like I, I checked all those boxes and it, it, there wasn't really much left. Like what more did I need to do? Um, like I, I had nothing else to prove and I think I was pro for probably a couple of years too long actually. Um, so I was thankful for people that wanted to keep me around. So yeah, I'm satisfied. Like I think it would be totally different if I had a pro career in which I accomplished nothing. Like I think that would add to some resentment at this point in my life. But mm -hmm. no, I look back on all of that and I'm just like, man, like I, in, in my little world, like I feel like I did it all. Like that's what more did I need to do? I traveled, I made some of the most amazing friends uh, I still get to be involved with doing the commentary stuff and uh, I'm just I'm thankful for the the moments that I had I'm thankful for the people I met and uh, and the, the things that I still continue get to do to to do I get to <laughs> I get an SNM with my name on it <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like the luckiest guy ever like, uh, so yeah um, that's just kind of how I see it I think I, that's something to be proud of for sure, and and it's awesome because not everybody gets to to be stoked when things yeah. come to a close like that. Uh, yeah, like I said, if if I had done nothing, like I think I might have been a little bit resentful, but all my boxes were checked. And, yeah. Uh, and and I'm not saying this to to fish for compliments, but I think I did a lot of it with mediocre talent. Like I think that. I tried hard as a pro. I think I, you know, put in the work, but like there was always dudes that had way more talent than I had that just kind of came and went. Mm -hmm. And I just made the most of it. I was like, okay, like I'm never gonna be as good at something else as I am at riding. I need to like really drive this home. And yeah. I, you know, I made it to almost 40 as a pro. So, um, I, I think about that all the time. I was like, well, like, I was just like middle of the pack guy. I was never like, and that was kind of the era that I came into was just like the golden age of opportunity where you didn't have to be the best guy. You just, you had to be okay. You had to be marketable. Like, but you didn't have to win every contest. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky to come in at that time. I think I hit my stride around like 1920. 1920? Well, 19. Oh, you said this so quickly. I was like, what? <laughs> like around the like 19 years old 20 years old like that's when i really started to hit my strides like I, I, yeah. think I got something here and then just kind of went with it and again it's mediocre talent that i just it's like okay i'm gonna do the work i'm gonna try hard because i like i kind of like this lifestyle but um yeah just very happy i feel like i'm repeating myself now so that's okay <laughs> uh this has me wondering though like did 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 you find yourself or were there things that you felt like you were doing to like maintain, like to keep yourself being a pro rider? Because the way I hear, it's so weird to hear people like the way Dak was talking about BMX in his podcast with Bobby Canode that came out this week or the way you're talking about things. It's, it's weird for me to hear these because like, where I've gone in riding, I've never like 
I've never been like, all right, I'm going to do this and it's going to help me achieve this as a rider with this company. I'm literally the only companies that I've ever worked with work with me because of like what I'm already doing. So it's like it's almost weird to think about from like a contest perspective. Um, I think the <laughs> this is going to take away a lot of like hardcore credibility for me if I say, oh, this, no, but... don't do it. No, 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 no. It's, it's all good. I think the thing that I did to maintain a, a pro career, I, I think honestly was, <laughs> was riding street. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Uh, now we can't, that doesn't take away any credibility. Nine times out of 10, anytime you saw me riding street, I really didn't want to be there. <laughs> um, it, it, well, I shouldn't say riding street filming on street trying to get street clips because yeah. i always wanted i always wanted to have a well-rounded video part but i never really like wanted to ride street i only knew the basics i knew the double peg grind i knew the feeble i knew the manual like and when you have the only the basics it's not very impressive but it's like oh if i can do the double peg grind down a huge handrail i'm gonna try that because that's cool to film mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd be somewhere with the sponsor that flew me there to be there and i'm like i gotta gather clips we're riding street. I got to do it. Yeah. And that's like the only time I felt like I'm really doing something I don't want to be doing, but I want my part to look a certain way. I want it to be well-rounded. So a lot of times on street, I was just like hucking and hoping <laughs> that things would work out. Luckily for me, more often than not, things worked out, but like riding street was always like oh, riding street again. Okay, let's go. Um, that doesn't mean I don't have respect for the dudes that, that love riding street it's just for me it was just always so foreign Mm -hmm. like my bike was never like set up to ride street i wasn't i didn't have like the steep head tube angles i was never going to be brakeless and um i but i yeah like this being said like i have the utmost respect for those dudes that just crush it on street because it was something i could never do and something i was never really that interested in doing myself yeah even though it's you know one of the gnarliest aspects of of bmx so are all are all the comments talking shit on me right now no the last one though is dude you did a manual to second stage feeble you're a beast on the street what the f on accident (laughs) yeah whatever uh so well i mean there has to be a certain level of like i know you know the feeling i'm going to describe right now when you think of a trick and you're at the spot not necessarily street spot but you're at the place to do that trick and it's gnarly but you have that thing in your brain that's like, all right, it's time. And then you got, you get, you get hot. Your body starts to heat up and you start to like, all right, this is real. I have to do it right now. And it's because my brain, was there, there was none of that riding street. Oh, there has to be. Trust me. There was nerves. There was times when like I told Jay Rowe when I, when I was riding for King, cause like, Hey, let's meet up in North Carolina. I have some stuff I want to do there. And I knew it was on street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I knew I could do it. I yeah. knew it would look sick on camera. Um, but I definitely felt out of my element. Yeah. But I had drugged the whole team to North Carolina, to Chapel Hill. And this is where I did the manual to second stage rail. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple clips planned that day. And I was just like, um, you know, the whole team's there. Daryl's there. He's, he's got two angles. He's ready to go. I'm like, what did I get myself into? And, yeah. uh, you know, luckily for that, I was able to give it a couple feelers 
um, you know, it was like 30 minutes. And then I was like, okay, it's go time. And like that, that thing was like perfect. Cause it almost had a kicker. So I would like manual and it would like kick mm. me up. Um, it was almost like made for it. So I definitely had those butterflies. And I will say, even though riding street was so foreign, it was rewarding as hell to get a good street clip. Yeah. Cause it was like, okay, that's going in the part. You know, I would get like a couple street clips and then I'd like reward myself. Like, all right guys, let's go to the trails now. <laughs> um, Cause that's where I felt more at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so getting the street clips was very rewarding, but it was always like a mental battle because there's um, that manual to second stage rail. And then right around the corner from that was a big gap to manual that I did. And I did these things back to back because I was like, we're here. We're only going to be in Chapel Hill once. And I, in these areas, uh, in these, do you remember the clip of Josh Harrington riding along the, the ledge and he gaps over mm-hmm. and does the big over double peg? I did see that one. Okay. <laughs> so that's the ledge that I did um, gap to manual on. And it's like my opposite way. So that was oh, like right geez. after the last clip. And like, so I go, I'm like nervous. I pull it. I'm elated. I'm like, okay, thank God. I only have a second to like bask in that glory before we're at the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, God, I hate street riding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's but then I got that clip, and I was like, okay, okay, I can breathe a little it's bit. Over. Like, so yeah, as much as I was like uncomfortable, to get those clips was really rewarding. Yeah. Um, but anytime I was riding street, it was like I was only filming. Like I was never like going to go out as a recreational activity and ride street. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm losing all my hardcore credibility. Not at all. <laughs> I think that um, there's a total difference, though, in that, like, you still had those things that you wanted to do that you felt like compelled to to get done. Even for, it's, you know, for the video part, yeah, for like well, like making my part more well-rounded. And I saw, um, I saw Josh Harrington after he had done that big gap to over double peg down the kink rail, and he had the audacity to say oh the 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 doyle ledge i'm like dude that's your spot now man like that is the gnarliest thing i've ever seen he's like oh no that's the doyle spot i'm like nah man nah don't even to him but to everyone else it's the freaking harrington spot that's dude i was like you took my name right off the list there like that's all that's all you wow Um, that is yeah i guess that's i don't know it's interesting to hear and and I, yeah, like I said, it, it street was always just a, a battle for me. It's like okay, because I felt like anytime we were filming, it's like I'm gonna get hurt. I'm gonna like do something stupid. And I'm gonna get hurt, but I'm a pro bike rider. I want to keep the sponsor happy. You just flew me across the world here. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make my part the best like I can. I'm trying. I'm gonna try gather good footage. Meanwhile, a guy like Jay Rose, like dude, don't sweat this stuff. Like you, we let's just go do some turndowns at the trails. I'm like. No, I need this for my part. Like, I, I think my work ethic kind of trumped what I was enjoying mm-hmm. uh, the most with with riding, and that pertained to street a lot of times. Well, to be fair in what you just said about work ethic, though, it's, I feel like it's that way for any pro BMX rider. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm not calling myself pro here, but it doesn't matter if it's a crazy spine variation where I'm tap dancing around the spine with taps and ice picks everywhere or if it's me bucking up to do a feeble down a wooden handrail because i feel like i have to like i 
most more often than not reach a level of like all right this just became work <laughs> this is less about the like all right i'm having fun trying this than yeah. it is the like i have to get this done and it's a job to get it done right now uh i've been there many times <laughs> yeah, i was with that's what i was gonna say i feel like most people who are in like your position in creating something like that just they know exactly what that's like because it's way different than you know just going out and having a session yeah oh yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah so any discrediting that you're talking about doesn't get to be discredited well yeah and, and yeah people could just take a few snippets out of out of the this interview guy really hope so it. but uh <laughs> yeah that i'm just being honest it writing street was like work and and filming stuff was scary it was rewarding getting those clips I was proud of those clips, maybe even more proud than any like trail stuff and park stuff. But like, it was, it was scary. <laughs> it was, it was terrifying. I, I think a lot of the crew was scared too. Sometimes like, I know Daryl's a very nervous guy and yeah. we'd be looking at each other at the top of a set of stairs. Like, all right, you ready? And it's just <laughs> like, I guess. <laughs> well, like what's your approach to, to scary things? What, be it in the trails at a street spot or at a skate park. Like I, I know there's people who just go for it and go right at it. Or there's people who slowly work their way up. Like how do you approach something scary? I always look for ways to slowly work my way up to it. Mm -hmm. um, there was always a way for me to like, okay, if I can bail out of this once or twice, where am I, how am I going to bail um, if I need to? So I'd always like think about like the escape route um, if I needed one, like if it was a transfer or something like that. I'd always think about like, okay, if things go south, how can I get out of this to where I don't get hurt? Yeah. And usually, and, and you could, uh, and people watching could probably agree with this. Um, if even you know, just getting that first attempt out of the way for something scary makes a huge difference. You shake those nerves off, and it allows you to relax. Like, so you try something scary, you bail out first run. Okay. I tried it once. I kind of know what to expect. I know what the hops like. It, it gets those butterflies out. And it's like, possible oh, I the, now. I know how the transition is going to send me. Um, it, it's, it definitely gets those nerves out. So, and sometimes you just pull things first try, which is great, but yeah, uh, more, more often than not, like my first attempt at something scary. I'm always thinking, okay, if things go south, how am I going to get out of this? Um, which might not be the, the best mentality to have, but that was always kind of how I, I felt about it. And mm. that was one thing. Uh, I looked at the Austin death gap mm. uh, in, in, tech, in, in Austin, Texas. And I remember looking at it. I'm like, I don't see any way out of this. Like, you have to lace this up perfect or you just get jacked. Like, there's yep. no way to – unless you went so slow that you landed in the grass. <laughs> yeah. I just remember thinking, like, there's no way out of this. Um, and that's kind of what, like, Sean Burns said when, like, when uh, Jeff Slattery actually tried it. Um, Jeff kind of, it, it didn't look like a bad slam. Like, it looked like, okay, the first one was a feeler. He bailed. Now he's going to get up and do it. Mm -hmm. But then we all know he, like, <laughs> broke his foot in half. So um, that was kind of like you know burns might have that same mentality too but uh or maybe not um but i when i looked at the austin death gap i was like i don't see any way to get out of this safely 
like unless you can just pull it first try. Yeah. I th- I I think that still might be true. I know it's not possible anymore because they built that wall down below. But um, I remember looking at it. I was like, I don't see any way to like take a first crack at it and like half-ass it. It's got to be perfect or absolutely nothing. I'm trying to find uh, some visual of the Austin Death Gap, and what comes up when you search it is a Twitter post by Empire that's it's in quotes. The Austin Death Gap isn't a big deal. I'd try it if I was there. And then after it says, uh, no, no, you would not. <laughs> I always, um, I always wondered if like, I, I bet like a guy like Brad Sims could probably do it. Um, but then again, I, I don't know. Like it's got, I think it'd have to be someone that like has almost a trails background that like knows how to gauge their speed when hitting a jump. But that's a jump like nothing else. Can you explain the setup so I kind of get an idea? I don't know if I know it off the top of my head. Um, if you watch Jeff Slattery's part in Anthem 2, it's I, like his, his opening clip. Oh, okay. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to do a horrible job explaining this. It's like a... Well, I can watch I that as long as three, it's online. I, it might be. I don't know. It's like a three and a half foot tall lip. And then, uh, I got it. A, yeah, straight. Are you are you watching it? Yeah. Well, I think yeah. so. It's Jeff Slater. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is a picture of this online. Yeah, dude, you gotta go a million miles an hour to clear that. Or, or his Jeff's mentality was that like if he went slow, the height. The, the big drop like if he went slow he could just kind of pop it up and then dive into the landing just going a little bit slower because it you you don't want to overclear that thing and like the landing is so steep if you overshoot that by only like a foot you're just flat yeah you're gonna die <laughs> it's like how do you want to eat shit like do you want to go far do you want to land flat or do you want to like come up short like Jeff did like I think Jeff got lucky just to have a broken foot but, um, yeah, my, <laughs> it's, it's weird when you look at it cause you're like, I know I could do it, but, yeah. but do I want to like put myself through that? Did anybody ever jump that to the street? I don't know. I, I mean, from the video, it looks like it could potentially be possible, but I think Aaron Ross has filmed a line like coming from the road and like hopping like just using that bank gotcha gotcha yeah i i hadn't seen that gap before and uh there's a lot of people saying Corey walsh yeah walsh would be good yeah good like trails background racing background um can probably gauge his speed really good uh walsh chris fox uh Mm. cordova any of the fast and loose guys really yeah there's actually a picture I have no idea where it came from. I just see the picture here and I saw the, saw this when I was Googling it, but it's like a, a Google, uh, street view picture of the spot. And then there's a dotted arrow showing like where someone would take off. And then an arrow pointing saying 16 foot tall landing. That is 10 foot lower than this rail because it's from the street. Yeah. 
No, that it had been talked about for years. Like, uh, it was like another like urban myth. Like, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna do it? And then, yeah, you know, Jeff stepped up to the plate, and I think a lot of people saw it as like disrespectful if they tried it after mm-hmm. him. But I, I think Jeff was like, no, I, like, I want someone to do it. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know. And then eventually they built a wall uh, right after the landing. So even if you did pull it, you're gonna go right into a brick wall. Okay, <laughs> so that's not going to happen. Nah. Oh, that's okay. Oh, man. Well, Doyle, you feel like we've covered a lot of things tonight? Yeah, I don't want to keep you watch. too long. We've been chatting for a while, man. Yeah, it's been a good hour and a half. So, with that being said, thanks for the chat. Yeah, no problem, man. Hopefully uh, your viewers enjoyed it, and... Uh... Yeah, I certainly enjoyed talking to you, Brant. Looking forward to the next time we get to ride together. Yes. Oh, I can't wait, actually. We got to do another doubles thing because we're, <laughs> we're building a part at this point. Yeah, let's do it next time. Cool. And uh, what's coming next for S&M real quick? Do you guys have any videos or anything cool to, that you're talking about doing? Um, I don't know. We're coming towards the end of the year. Uh. So I'm not really sure what's 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 what the plan is for next year. Okay. Um, they did just do their uh, 35 year anniversary video. Um, that should be out relatively. Oh yeah, had, Charlie's been working on that. They just had their premiere, um, so that should be out soon. And uh, after that, yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm just I'm kind of in the back seat of the car, you know. I'm just like, hey, happy to be here, guys. <laughs> Mueller's a good person to be driving the car you're in. No, I agree. Like I said, probably one of the most influential BMXers of all time, in my opinion. Right on. Well, I appreciate it, and hopefully I'll see you sooner than later.